0: Hi guys, welcome to episode 6. In episode 6 we talked to Carl Pioli, uh, who is uh, synonymous with CrossFit, um, founder of Freestyle Connection, the Freestyle Connection Seminars, the author of Freestyle and also um, quite synonymous with uh, Gymnastics WOD. Uh Carl's been a, a massive influence in my coaching practice um, and some of the um, content of his book has definitely come through in the way that I coach. Um, I hope you find the episode really um, informative and insightful. I certainly did. You'll have to excuse a slight interruption a few moments in because we almost got uh, booted out of the room that we were uh, meeting in. Um, Enjoy the episode, guys, and make sure you connect with us through SoundCloud, Facebook and Instagram, and look out for future episodes. Cheers. Bye. Hi guys, um, this is episode six. I'm here in London with Carl Pioli. Um, We're just gonna have a chat, um, hopefully talk about freestyle, his book, um, some coaching methodology and some philosophy, and then how we can develop that into terms of some of the principles we might wanna use as coaches, but then also as participants, and maybe talk through um, the kind of creative process of how we develop freestyle, and then how that's kind of being manifested now. So before we get into talking about freestyle and coaching and gymnastics and movement, um, I just want to say, so your job takes you traveling all over the world. And I suppose I was going to ask, you know, have you got a favorite favorite place? And almost, have you got favorite things to do in those favorite places? That's a great question. I mean, uh, I love
1: London. London is a great place. But I guess if I had to choose one favorite place, uh, I think it would be Tokyo. Oh, cool! It's just very different. When you travel a lot, you end up realizing that everyone now has the same infrastructure almost, yeah. and they're creating the same systems, and uh, it feels the same almost everywhere. But Tokyo yeah. is just slightly different, uh, and it's just
0: a little bit out there, and I, I enjoy the the weirdness of it. Yeah. It's uh, it's cool, and I suppose it. One of the other things is like when you do arrive in these different places, you've been tra- you've been travelling quite a while now, mm-hmm. and you kind of you end up kind of arriving in the same places infrequently. Now, when you arrive in places, there kind of must things, must see things you do, or you know, do you find that? Well, because I've been because it's like you've been to London a few times now, it's like well, you know, I kind of know my way around. I'm, I'm going to look out and look out for these or seek out. These specific things,
1: uh, you know, I, I never pre-plan any of those things. Uh, and before, when I was just kind of getting started with traveling for work, uh, I would basically just go get the job done and leave. Yep. And I was not paying attention to a lot of things around me because I wanted to do a good job. That's what I was there for. So I I wasn't focused on sightseeing or soaking the culture or anything like that. And uh, now what I've been doing is because I'm more comfortable with the job that I do and I have a lot of clarity on what I'm trying to execute on. I have more bandwidth to say yes to be part of the local community and, yeah. and that's something that I've been really enjoying. So there's no pre-planned things. It's whatever comes and feels right, I say yes to or I say no to and I participate. Uh,
0: where, was your, um, where was your first seminar outside of the U.S.?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, outside of the U.S., it was probably Canada yep. or something like that. It's uh, just, just outside. Just outside. Um, but I, honestly, I can't remember. Maybe it was Sweden. It lo- you know what? It was actually my first one was in London. And now I remember. Uh, I came all the way out to London, and I had six people in the seminar. It was completely empty. And uh, I came back a year later.
0: And there were sixty people in a wait list. Wow. It was crazy. And when you when you're sort of in this position, you've kind of you've been delivering seminars in the US, probably to sort of raid reviews, but you're getting gathering crowds and then you come outside of sort of effectively the comfort of the US and you're confronted by six people, you know, what what goes through your mind? You do kinda of question am I am I on the right track here or well, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, I was just excited to be out here yep.
1: doing a seminar. And, and actually at that seminar, the six people that showed up asked me questions that actually defined a lot of the principles that I teach yep. today when it comes to the coaching department, especially in physical education. Um, but the funny thing is in the U.S., I get le- less of a showing than I get outside of the U.S., Okay. Yeah, it's almost like uh, I'm 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 very disposable there.
0: Hello. Sorry to bother you. No worries. Are you for this meeting here? Uh, no,
1: but we just asked if we could use the room for an hour, and they they said yes. Okay. Is that is it possible? Okay.
0: For one hour, it is possible. Okay. What time okay. do we have to
1: be out of here? So we we uh, know exactly.
0: Before three o'clock. Oh yeah, this, yeah, we'll be out. This room reserved from three o'clock. Okay, perfect. I hope they won't be here
1: earlier. We'll be done in, what, 40 minutes? Yeah, for sure. Okay, that's fine. Okay, thank you so
0: much. And back to our episode. Yeah, sorry, you were saying. Uh, I forgot what I was saying. But uh, (laughs) I guess people have gotten
1: accustomed in in the U.S. to have me around. Yeah. And especially in the CrossFit scene, which is where I kind of got my start uh it's a it's a little bit different and that's why now i'm i'm working on a bunch of other projects and i do a lot of stuff behind the scenes uh meaning stuff that's not in the public eye i see yeah like seminars and uh yeah it's, a, it's been great to be able to travel do the seminar thing and then be home and and work on other
0: projects so when you uh, when you sort of you took the punt, and you're kind of like i've got something to say and i need to get out there and and speak to people did you kind of expect to kind of be where you are now did you envisage how well people would respond to that content without sounding cocky
1: I knew that I had something valuable to offer and I knew that if I just said it and continued to say it people would pay attention yeah so I've never been surprised or, or not surprised. It just is what it is. And that's, that's all it is. And I, and I go with it. And I, I just try to make a positive impact
0: wherever I go. And do you think that comes from having clarity of purpose? and you know, be really sure about what it is you wanted to say? And kind of not necessarily, I think, being distracted by what other people's views might be of, of what you were saying? Yeah, for sure. There's, there's definitely clarity. That being said, the purpose,
1: uh, the micro-purpose changes a lot. Mm -hmm. The macro-purpose is just a feeling, and it's a feeling of, I want this fire to be alive, where I feel excited to work with someone like you, for example. Mm -hmm. I may not know you. I may not know anything about you. I may not know where you're going, but within a short period of time, I can get to know you well enough that I can get the essence of you, and then we can have... A little dialogue or a session and you'll come out of that session fired up ready to do whatever it is you had in your mind with clarity of purpose for a specific thing but without losing the essence of who you are and that's what I'm excited about and I do that with the individual with small companies with bigger companies uh, with whatever it is I touch that's the goal Mm -hmm. and that's the feeling
0: that I want to live by so that's the clarity and the purpose so for those who haven't maybe come across your way before, um, talking more, you know, quite often I get some of our members who are very new to, I suppose, the scene of fitness to me and physical. Well, could you describe what freestyle is? Yeah, freestyle
1: is, it's a philosophy that basically, to me, says accept and respect all styles, all discipline, all people. That's what it is, and it's all-inclusive meaning whatever's in front of you has value, whether you are judging it in a negative way or not, whether it's causing pain, discomfort, or bringing you uh, utter joy, that it's just let it be what it is. Because behind it lies something that's going to allow you to feel free.
0: Cool. So in in a way, it's kind of like the broadening your horizons and kind of looking past the end of your nose and seeing that actually in every sphere there's something you can take away, manifest into potentially something else that's going to kind of move you closer to wherever it is you might want to travel to as an individual, wherever that may be. Whatever yeah. that may be. Cool. So you published uh, Freestyle in 2014. Mm-hmm. New York Times bestseller. There you That's going to be good. Um, and I'd say it's probably a staple across gyms and I know hundreds of coaches that have it on their bookshelf. I've probably... I've seen it in gyms in different countries and people referring back to it uh, and then more recently you've began the freestyle sessions which is what I contacted you about and I would just kind of wanted to explore the motivation behind sort of connecting people to the, the content in a, a kind of much deeper way isn't mm-hmm. it? and that's how I feel I've connected to, to you and what you've produced is being able to listen to you talk through the process and add a little bit more context between some of the lines has been really, really valuable and it's kind of what did it explore? What, what made you decide to do that?
1: You know, it's I, I was coming back from a, a trip in Asia, and I was on the plane, and I have so many projects that I, I've been working on and, and so many balls I've been juggling. And uh, over the last three years, I, I dropped a few balls, but simply because there was a big shift in my personal life that made me really... Uh, reassess everything. And the the sentence that kept repeating itself in my in my head was work with what you've got. Mm. Basically, use what you have and maximize that. And uh one of the big things that I've achieved in my lifetime was writing this book and I realized that at the time when I released the book is when I became a parent, I got married, I had also at that time uh, completely changed everything in my work life and I had uh, started shifting into the new professional Carl, whatever that was and uh, I kind of dropped the ball on the book and I felt like I didn't give people more information on how to use it because it really is a manual yeah. and it's not something that you would read cover to cover. It's uh it's one of those things that you refer back to. Yeah, def- definitely. That's why the the the, the read along sessions have been uh, one of those tools that I've uh, used to be able to give people more access. And I'm so glad that you uh, picked up on that. That's that's awesome.
0: Yeah, and I probably say just you know looking at the the kind of the re- the response of people when you kind of you're live talking through the chapters you know you can just see people sort of connecting the dots and have you found that people have sort of connected back with you in terms of coming up with new questions about the content and you know formulating questions what what do you mean by this and you know what's the the purpose of this and do you think that's been a really useful kind of um, journey for you in terms of reconnecting with the content
1: yeah for sure What's interesting is that the book has three parts. The, the first part is basically a theory on the language of movement. Part three is very dedicated to advanced, tricky movements, some programming, but mostly it's just a lifestyle chapter. And then in the middle are is part two, and that's where all the ingredients are. Back in the day, uh, let's say back in 2012 2013 uh, I would get asked about part two a lot and that was 90% of what people would reach out to me in regards to how do I perform a squat or a handstand or whatever, a a certain movement pattern. Now 95%, I wanna say maybe 99% of the questions I get are all lifestyle
0: oriented. 1% are about how do I execute a certain movement pattern. Why do you think there's been that? sort of contextual shift in terms of do you think it's more of a cultural thing or do you think it was just the context of when the kind of information was delivered it was you know also at the time when i suppose crossfit was quite new and there was i suppose i suppose a thirst for people or experts on who who can i go to who's going to teach me how to do this you know who's the best person to teach me how to do this because i suppose in some ways those things weren't as established as maybe they are now
1: yeah i think the one percent that is the the movement is just the excuse that people have realized that I've used to be able to talk about the other 99%, which is life. Okay. And at the end of the day, I, I don't care about your problems. I really don't. I have enough of my own that I have to worry about. But what I do care about is what you're going to do about your problems. And what people have seen throughout my career as a coach, which... As a professional coach, it's uh, maybe I'm into year 14, technically. Although I've been coaching since I was 14, so it's 20 plus years, we could say. Uh, but what people have realized is that it was never about the trick. It was never about how to perform a movement for the sake of performing the movement. But it was what you were experiencing as you were learning that movement that was giving you a better understanding of who you really are and how you can take a squat, for example, and apply it to being a father or a mother or uh, being better at your job, becoming a leader, being a better follower, whatever it may be that is important to you.
0: That's what I think people have come to realize, and that's the beauty of it. I I love the fact that there's... It's connecting people with the process, not just the, the outcome. I suppose so. And I, one of the one of my favourite lines in the book is, "You must learn to move, so we can learn to move." Can you just talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, I think I think I think that that uh, that sentence, "Learn to move, so you can move to learn," is uh, is important because we we achieve a skill, whatever it may be, reading. We learn to read. And then eventually we use that skill, reading, to learn new things. And every skill that we pick up in life needs to be transferable, needs to be a bridge to the next thing. And that's what movement is at a very global level. Also, we have this body of ours that is our vehicle that contains all the information we need to be human And we are stuck in our phones and, you know, other worlds or even uh, trying to find solutions in different disciplines like it may be CrossFit or yoga or Pilates or whatever it is you choose to do. But in reality, everything is inside of you and it's right here. And the sooner you start paying attention and communicating with your body, the sooner you start getting the answers and it's really simple. And that's what that is all about. It's learn to communicate with your body and that will give you information to do
0: what you want to do. And and would you, I suppose the question I kind of had, the follow-up question I had in mind about that is in terms of do you feel that there's a kind of almost, I suppose there's a culture and there's a counterculture. So with CrossFit and calisthenics and the, the growing popularity and some of the other wider sort of influences so like, breakdancing, b-boy, and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. There's this core or counter culture that are conscious of movement, but then there's this wider sort of culture that's kind of losing touch with movement. And do you think that's kind of where the coaching community needs to be focused in terms of connecting that wider community with learning to move again? hmm I think I, th- I think uh, learning to move again, that's a powerful statement.
1: For sure. I think people get lost in techniques and different expressions. And when something's really cool, that's what catches your right? eye. You're like, oh, shit, that looks awesome. I want to be a part of that. Uh, you start working on it. You're like, well, in order to be cool, I need to do all of these things. And you do all the things that it takes to become cool. And by the time you become cool, you're so tired. You're so burnt out uh, that you... And when I say you, I'm, I'm just kind of generalizing. You kind of have a chip on your shoulder. I'd had to do all of these things for 20 years to become cool. And now that I'm cool, it's not that cool. It actually sucks. But if you want to be cool, know that you're also going to have to do all the things that I did. But the truth is the process is completely individual. And the cool thing that first got you attracted to the process, whatever that may be, let's say it's CrossFit, uh, you you saw Josh Bridges, and you're like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. It's not getting lost within that process, within learning a technique, within becoming a master of a discipline, because you'll never arrive, you're never going to arrive at that point. By the time you got excited and you started, you were already there. And the goal is to stay there as long as possible. Even if that means that you have to pivot eventually and break free from the technique. And
0: that's the learning how to move again. Yeah, that's, that's important. That's probably... Coming to sort of the some of the the principles you lay out in freestyle the position movement and purpose, mm-hmm. how important is the purpose in that process? Because it's kind of one of the, the very early concepts you kind of lay down in the book. And I suppose for me being a kind of very value based coach, purpose based coach, I just kind of want to refer to that and kind of where you what what the priority I suppose the hierarchy of purpose in people's endeavors whatever they may be Mm -hmm.
1: let's say let's say someone who's listening right now is is uh, in the world of fitness or strength and conditioning or crossfit and uh, they are squatting okay they're working on their squat the movement is the squat the purpose is answering for what who when how And what the purpose does is it allows you to define where you're going with that movement. And that definition of giving you a direction, a goal, makes the movement specific. And all of a sudden gives you a pretty clear picture of what you want to look like in order to achieve that goal. And if you don't know what you want to look like, because you just don't know. That's where there needs to be a a little exploration, but at least you have that direction. So purpose is is key. Without purpose, you're shooting in the dark.
0: Yeah, pissing in the wind is what I say. Exactly, pissing (laughs) in
1: the wind, just spraying yourself all over the place.
0: Uh, So how did you
1: arrive at the big four? Uh, Honestly, the big four were simply, which is the pistol, the handstand push-up, muscle-up and burpee was simply the four movements that people wanted to learn in CrossFit. I just took their bullshit and I put it right in front of them and then I
0: presented it and I said, it's not about this. (laughs) I think that's interesting because there will be people that pick up the freestyle and go, this is going to give me X and then they're going to flick through and they're going to get to the progressions and they're going to start seeing things like lunges, squats, yeah. oh, these are the things I'm already doing. And it's kind of, you find there's a lot of people that kind of have that realization then come back to you and go, oh, right, so, you know, I've got to master these basics before I can move into expressing my body or expressing movement in these more grandeur ways.
1: There's definitely a percentage of people that do pick that up. It's because they do realize that it's clickbait. Whoever reads the book realizes that it's not about that. And... All it is is just me playing the game with them. Mm-hmm. Like, You think you want these four movements. You think you want to hear what maximizing a sport and light performance really is. I, I'm going to put that here, which is is a, a truth, not the truth. Yeah. And then behind that, I'm going to try to actually give you some value that you should care about. So there's a percentage of people that, that come and want the four movements, and when they read it, they're like... This has nothing to do with what you said it was. I'm like, I'm sorry. I think this is more valuable. Uh, but,
0: and yeah, that's that's uh, kind of what happens. I think it's interesting because coming like referring back to the um, freestyle sessions, you you've been quite open in that process in terms of th- this is this was the time. This is what I presented, but ultimately. It was there to interpret journey. I wanted to connect, use this as an opportunity to connect with people, to show them that there is a greater purpose in in movement. Um, One of the other questions I want to come on to in terms of, you've had this opportunity to connect with athletes and coaches, and I want to kind of understand whether there's anyone you've met that personifies freestyle, if that is even possible.
1: I don't think anyone really personifies freestyle, but I'll tell you um, a story about when I met Ido Portal, Mm -hmm. who I met in May of 2014 in Berlin. And uh, when I met him, I met him because a guy that was attending one of my talks... He said, hey, I'm friends with this guy. He's here. Do you know who Ida Portal is? I was like, of course. That would be awesome. And he's like, do you want to meet him? I'll get you guys together. And we had lunch. So he, he organized the meeting. We got together. And at that time, people were referring to me within the CrossFit community. as like, oh, Carl is uh, the gymnastics movement guy. He's the movement guy. And I was just like, I don't care. I, I really, I don't care. But if I, that's what I need to be right now, I'll be that. And when I met Ito, I realized that he was really a purist mm. of movement. And after that lunch, I felt a huge sense of relief. I didn't have to be that guy.
0: Yeah. Right?
1: Mm. And I guess the same thing goes with freestyle. Is Freestyle doesn't belong to someone. And it's not uh, something that uh, shines through one person in particular everyone has it we're we're all together we are freestyle right that's the beauty of it it's not a one person kind of thing I like it Uh, but uh, it and that's the sense of relief I get with freestyle is that oh I don't have to be something I don't want to be you don't have
0: to be something you don't want to be Uh, you just have to be you and that's great and I think that's that's really liberating and I think for some people you know that would be quite challenging too in terms of you know a lot of you know I've, and I've had this discussion with the coaches in terms of uh, whether people are developing a movement or it's just movement mimicry so mm-hmm. they're seeing a you know, an exceptional performer be it a, a soccer player a football player do something and then just mimicking it you know are they, are they getting very good at mimicry or are they developing their own movement and that kind of stuff and there'll be people that kind of see themselves as a x type of such and such i am a i'm a this type of weightlifter i'm like this type of I'm like this type of break dancer and that kind of stuff and it's i suppose that's a real i suppose kind of saying well you're not you're you're bigger than this Mm -hmm. could be a real challenge for some people to kind of hear and really challenge them on a kind of much deeper level
1: yeah i think that's a it's a big what you're saying is a big deal everyone wants to feel like they belong to something Like you have a family, like you have friends, like you have a job that you go to, you have a place you go and train. Everyone wants to feel like they belong to something. And when there's a certain style or way of doing things, like for example, CrossFit or breakdancing or calisthenics, those are styles that you can belong to and you can identify with. It's when you've been a part of it long enough that you realize your individuality within that smaller collective and then you can grow beyond that. And it's the realization that your originality, your style, your personal, the essence of you uh, can go beyond that box and become almost like a world citizen, become part of the the universe, if you will. Uh, that's when you understand freestyle
0: yeah and, and would you say that there are some people that don't give the process enough time so they'll involve themselves in a movement or style and they'll consider, for whatever reasons they've arrived at whether it's they've seen someone do it or they've heard that's the next that's the next best thing to do that there's a there's definitely a culture of people that don't give the process enough time to really realize themselves Within that style, whatever that may be, one hundred percent. That's uh, very common, and it's
1: spending time in one discipline, one style that allows you to to see everything else. You you need to become a specialist in order to see things from a generalist perspective, and that that's important. the The thing that people lose though when they become specialists is the open mind and open heart mm. and that's what we need to work on daily
0: yes but is, is that the the transition from I suppose a specialist into a purist in some ways you
1: know yeah I guess when when I talked about Ida Portal earlier I was I was saying he's a purist and yep. when it comes to movement the purity of movement for him I think is the exploration and then Trying to convey this message as best as he can, because there's a sense of um, uh, power and excitement to see that growth, to see that uh, liberation. But as if you watch people that are part of the Ido Portal culture, like the movement culture that he calls it, uh, they are have kind of become specialists in a certain way you yeah. can identify their style yeah so he's already on that turning point when i say he is i'm not referring to the person Ido portal i'm referring to the movement yeah the the movement that's happening the movement culture uh and that's that's kind of what we're saying and it's all great
0: yeah which is awesome i suppose it, any progress is positive progress yeah. as long as it challenges and causes people to have questions about their purpose and their their relationship with what they're doing, be that movement or a a specific sport or something Mm -hmm. else that's more specific. Um, One of the sort of, and I'm going to sort of talk now really from a sort of taking a coach's lens, um, one of the kind of sort of anecdotal things you refer back to at the beginning of um, freestyle is bringing adults into, I suppose, gymnastics and movement. Um, And this is something that sort of CrossFit coaches or coaches now experience on a, 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 a virtually daily basis. And I was kind of, what would be your tips for a coach trying to deal with such a diverse base of skill in terms of trying to manage that in terms of expectations? But then also just simply how to get going and kind of go, well, I've got all these adults who maybe have not done anything for 20 years. Some of them are sports people, some of them are Execs, but they all want to be here and I've got to teach them this. Mm-hmm. You know, what, would you, what advice would you give to a coach in that situation? Have no expectations.
1: That's the advice. It, expectations are only going to lead to disappointment. Enjoy the process. Be uh, an engineer where you, let's say you're uh, a coach and you're teaching a class, for example, and there's a session going on. Teach that to the best of your abilities as an engineer. And then the artistry is how you weave that engineering and make it relevant to the group. Mm. The, The beginner coach will miss a big part of the audience. That's okay. As long as they do the engineering really well, they're hitting a good base. They're guaranteeing that some information is being conveyed. The artistry comes with time. So let the artistry continue to unfold as you uh, become really good at providing the engineering side of things. And that's the easy part. Yeah. Uh, so don't have expectations. Expect to fail all the time. Expect to not have uh, client retention. Expect your gym to be pretty empty in the beginning. It's a reflection of your ability to be equal parts engineer and art- artist, and uh, that's okay. Everything balances out for a reason, and that's how a basic ecosystem works. That's how basic business works. Is you're only going
0: to have in front of you what you can manage and what you can handle. I suppose, in a way, it's that kind of um, the respecting of time, isn't it? And I, I suppose the uh, the convenience nature of being, a, you know, everything's at your fingertips and so, but knowledge, you know. People can log on, they can watch a video of yourself demonstrating movement or showing some progressions and you'll right away see that coach almost mimicking those progressions and movements and expecting the world from the people that are in front of them. I suppose it's kind of, what, and this has been sort of an ongoing conversation between myself and a number of other um, coach educators and other coaches in terms of how do, how do coaches develop in a sense of originality? When effectively, and you know, we've had we almost had we had this conversation downstairs in terms of, well, nothing's really new. It's just your experience of that information. I suppose it's how, what, you know, how do you kind of, sort of maybe guide someone or give some advice? Someone saying, this is how you develop your originality in this in this space. Say,
1: I think originality just once again, like you said, comes with time, and you mimicry, like you said, is important. If you don't copy, you you can't paste. Yeah, and you can't grow right so uh, you need to mimic you need to become whoever your mentor is or whatever style it is you're trying to achieve and uh, do that until it feels like you have the ability the consciousness to actually tweak that mold that give yourself some freedom and when something pops up in your mind say it When you want to do something, do it. And everything we say and do has consequences. It's your job to be able to see those consequences and integrate whatever feedback you're getting, whether it's positive or negative, whatever you want to call it, and translate that into further growth. And that's where originality really starts to develop. And I think when one does that often enough, and on a daily basis, you become original really quickly.
0: Yeah, and I, I suppose it's it's having the confidence to create that feedback loop, be it from participants, peers around you, or just the immediate response of giving a cue and then not getting the response you expected to kind of be present enough in the process to kind of recognize, actually, it's something there. I may not know what that is now, but if I can you know, just bank that in the back of my head and come back to that in a, in a little bit of time, I, I might understand what the connection is. And I suppose it's, right. it, like it comes back to time, doesn't it, in terms yeah. of that experience. And I think that's... Because there's you know, a, a sort of a growing trend of people that kind of want things now, I suppose, that kind of convenience culture, and it's kind of bleeds through both in terms of coaches and participants, you know, coming back to, you know, the hook with freestyle in terms of here are here are the, the big movements right. the popular movements now but behind that on I mean, almost that kind of stealth ninja way there's actually a, there's a lot more context behind this that you you kind of need to learn um, And i suppose it kind of leads me on to sort of common misconceptions around that you see because i mean you get the benefit of connecting with coaches all around the world um, the common misconceptions you see around both, deli- both movement but then also the delivery of gymnastics in, as well. Yeah,
1: delivery is, is everything mm-hmm. uh, I, and it, it's regardless of discipline so it doesn't matter if it's movement quote unquote or gymnastics or crossfit or whatever, it doesn't matter delivery is key and being able to deliver something that is simple, clear and compelling is very hard And that's something that I am fortunate enough to see when I travel is that most coaches are delivering uh, straight out of a book, straight out of a discipline, and have taken very little time to actually try to take the information that they have, the knowledge that they have, and understand it by putting it into context. Mm. And it's when you Put knowledge into context that you really get it. Yep. That's where understanding really comes out. And within the fitness community especially, it's, um, it's tough because most people uh, are lacking a complete understanding. But that's okay. That's just your state of progression. I don't freaking know what, what things are exactly, but I'm constantly seeking. In fact, I just, I just posted something on Instagram a second ago, which was basically ignorance, a prison of choice.
0: Yeah. Mm.
1: That you choose to be ignorant. Uh, and the problem is most of us, we don't even know we're in that prison. We don't even know that we're ignorant until we're exposed. So it's a matter of allowing yourself to see more, do more.
0: And I, I suppose in, in a way is I suppose that's representative of those individuals that kind of sit in the centre they don't necessarily become polarised in an opinion. I think it's you know coming back to sort of know again. You know, although mm-hmm. the core of him is movement, he isn't polarised in terms of saying this is good, that's bad. You know, but there are some individuals out there that you know they like to polarise themselves in terms of this is my methodology, this is this is the way, and I suppose it's kind of how do we kind of bring people to be of a mind that sitting in the center is is a, is a good place and a safe place to be? Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes it's easy for people to kind of go, well, I'm going to go with that guy because he sounds, he sounds like he's saying the right things without wanting to do the exploration themselves.
1: Yeah, I think uh, everyone does the best they can. And if we assume positive intent and we know that everyone is just trying to do a good job mm-hmm. with a positive intention then uh uh, we must also realize that there is an impact that they're trying to make and the way they're making that is uh dependent on them some people like to be polarizing some people like to be more inclusive uh whatever rocks your boat kind of thing (laughs) what you need to do as an
0: individual i
1: believe is question Mm
0: -hmm. question everything yeah Get to the get to the effective the effective why you know why is someone saying that yeah be
1: a rebel yeah yeah fuck it I don't care and I, don't, do think, I, don't I don't know
0: and do you think that comes through in terms of like talking about sort of your your wider kind of life influences influences in terms of the kind of the things that you're interested in outside of um, fitness do you think that kind of there's an element of you that likes to be the rebel ask the questions challenge because it helps with your your learning. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I mean do you ever feel like
1: this is weird? Yeah. Like life is weird. Hell yeah. Where am I? What am I doing? Like what is this? It's weird. Yeah. And then you you, you look around and there's certain people that behave like they're not paying attention to how weird this whole thing is that we're alive here, having whatever it is that's happening right now. Yeah. Uh that's where I start to question and that's when I start to rebel yeah. and I start to uh, challenge those people and, and I, I believe that we should all have a little rebel in our, us and it's important to respect and accept that's what freestyle
0: is all about yeah. challenging needs to come alongside that I suppose it's, it's finding that, that healthy balance Yes, in terms of the appropriate time to respect, to discipline mm-hmm. timing is different. everything all back to time Mm -hmm. so um, tomorrow we're getting together for the workshop Um, for those that are not able to attend luckily I find out um, what can someone expect attending a workshop with you
1: well they they should expect to uh, specifically tomorrow we're going to talk about the language of movement and uh, hopefully I'll tell a compelling enough story that, that people leave with uh, some enlightenment, <laughs> they'll be uh, inspired, uh, but for the most part, they'll be confused. Yeah, and the, they will think, "Well, what the heck did I just sign up for?" But at the same time, they will realize that the reason they're confused is because there's something they didn't think about, mm. or something they thought about and they ignored, and now that confusion, what? It really does it it has opened up this new space where they can start filling it with new questions new knowledge
0: and that's all it is tomorrow it's just a catalyst to thinking more so yeah i suppose he's kind of like getting on that getting on that healthy learning curve in terms of challenging maybe some preconceptions i mean if you ever had any kind of I asked this, and I've asked this of a couple of different people that are in a similar. You do a similar thing in terms of running workshops. Have you ever had anyone that's had a real difficulty, like a proper challenge, with consuming what you're saying? One hundred percent. Being outright. If, whoa, whoa, hang on, Carl. What are you saying? Now this, 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 this is just not right. Yeah. And how do you deal? With, how do you deal with those kind of kind of things? You welcome that. That yeah. that's great. The fact that someone wants to
1: challenge it means that they're being vulnerable enough to actually expose themselves. And those are the people that I wanna have a conversation with in front of as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. Because that's where people realize how to manage and handle certain situations. If someone's reactive, you can diffuse that. It's, It's very simple. And once that's diffused, now you can have a constructive conversation where you may not arrive at a conclusion, but there has been 100% mutual respect. Yeah. And now there's at least something you're leaving with that you can think about, you can work on, you can develop. If you think that you can come to a two-hour workshop and solve something, then you have a problem.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm sure there's a few people that probably, well, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell him some answers. Yeah, yeah come.
1: Tell, tell me whatever you want. I would love to have you come in and challenge. Because there's so much I don't know
0: that would be wonderful and even that even that kind of statement for some people will be like he, he just said this stuff he doesn't know you know I think that will for some people that's a challenge I think there's definitely a, maybe a sort of subculture within a coach, the coaching culture of trying to be that gatekeeper knowing all the knowledge I need to know everything before I go out and mm-hmm. do delivery and it's it's been a common theme in a conversation that I've been having around the whole kind of fake it to make it mm-hmm. and kind of process and, that appropriate time to kind of be, to kind of step out as a coach, put you kind of put your balls on the line, so to yeah. speak, and kind of get out in front of people and say, "This is me. This is what I'm going to do. I don't know everything, mm-hmm. right? But we're going to go through a process. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll be together. Some of you will come with me. Some of you will go against me. But ultimately, you know, we'll arrive at X point, wherever that might be, mm-hmm. and that's totally fine. And I think it's quite, it's I suppose it's refreshing to hear from someone." that a lot of coaches including myself will look up to and kind of say well you know I, I haven't got all the answers you know, yeah and, I don't know and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be in a situation or a scenario where people are saying to me you know what Carla you know, I think this or so and so said that what do you think about this and I think that's I suppose maybe the, the trick is if you're coming tomorrow maybe come loaded with some questions
1: yeah come come guns blazing go crazy I, I think that's awesome the, the beauty is that I know I can't fail I never fail. And if I do fail, it's just temporary. And it's in my eyes, if I'm willing to look at it that way, or someone else's eyes, it, it's impossible to fail. That's the beauty. And when people see that mindset, uh, they either get inspired or, or they yeah. react. When you get the reaction, that's the opportunity. Mm. When you see the inspiration, that's the opportunity. So it's it's always a win win.
0: It, it doesn't really matter, and I suppose it's uh, uh, being the per- being the educated, seeing potentially twenty little light bulbs kind of switch on, not necessarily all at the same time. You kind of see that connection. Yeah, someone. they start going off, and it's interesting. You kind of that having that sensation of not being able to fail. Like, Tony Blair comes out with the um, he's got an explanation of fear. So, false expectations appearing mm-hmm. real. Which I think is is fantastic, and I suppose it's that kind of that confidence in yourself and your knowledge that I suppose that's the biggest takeaway for me now. Yeah, is having that realization that you know be confident about what you do and believe in in yourself. But I think for coaches, athletes, people just starting out, maybe people who put up picked up freestyle for the first time or just started listening to. The um, freestyle sessions is be confident about what you're doing, regardless of where it is, Mm -hmm. and I think that's that's super powerful. It is,
1: and and that doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle because I have I question myself daily, all the time, and I wonder, oh, am I am I doing this thing? That's just my my ego Mm. getting in the way. But once you just let that kind of go through your body, then you know that what you have.
0: No one else has uh, I think that is I suppose that's huge really, mm-hmm. and I suppose that kind of coming to that realization coming to that sort of tipping point maybe for some people yep. is is a, is a healthy process to go through because I think there'll be a lot of people that will maybe steady eddies yeah like to maybe like to call them kind of like they'll neither be this way or that way and they'll kind of shoot down the middle and I suppose it's kind of challenging those people to kind of say hey you know actually if, if you maybe look at things differently come outside that comfort mm-hmm. zone you might come across something that might change your viewpoint your way of life just the very nature of the way you do things mm-hmm. and I think it's if you ever, have you ever had anyone sort of come back to you post-seminar or post-workshop or a post-intervention or an athlete that you work with and went, you know what you've, you've shifted my mindset Oh, for sure. It happens all the time.
1: Yeah, people, some people at the seminar cry. Some people, you know, say you changed my whole life. Uh, And that's incredible. But the truth is I didn't do anything. I did nothing. I can't help you. I really can't. You can only help yourself. If this happened to be a moment that I was a part of and I was part of that catalyst, fantastic. But I didn't do anything. You did the job. All I'm doing is sharing my own process, my selfish process. But I'm doing it in a way that is open, vulnerable. uh, It's as real as I can be. And when people see that, they're like, oh, wait, I'm like that too. I have the same fears. I have the same aspirations or uh, things that I'm inspired by or things that I appreciate. And all of a sudden they can relate and they know that they're not alone. And when they know that they're not alone, now they dare to take a step. And they're like, oh, you changed. No, no, you were the one that changed and
0: transformed and reached that point. I didn't do anything. So when did you conceptualize? When did you realize that movement was important to you as a concept?
1: Uh, I mean, there were several occasions in my life that I realized this. But I guess when you do something and a group of people respond or react, you know that there's something there. You know that the power of that communication is very valuable. So that's when I guess I I got more and more into it. Uh, And I guess that was when I was doing gymnastics. You know, you you execute well, you win a medal. Mm. You execute poorly, you don't win a medal. And then when I left gymnastics and got into action sports and it was if you did something that was cool or your friends thought it was cool, they would clap their hands or scream or be like, ah, you nailed that, whatever it was, that was sick. Uh, You knew that you were going in the right direction. So you kept doing that. And that was all physical Mm. behavior. And when I realized that we can project our true selves through our body and our bodies allow for whatever is outside to come in to us and become part of us, that's when I realized that it was important. And I guess that's been uh, a lifetime. And I have these moments, shifts, uh, that maybe was gymnastics and action sports and then going to school and then becoming some sort of leader within a little community and uh, then becoming a husband and having a kid and how important movement is within all of that. That's where, yeah, just realize that the more we talk about it, the easier it becomes to deal with what we consider the hardships.
0: So... When you see movement now, when you see people engaging in different sports, what kind of what kind of situations kinda of, kinda of make you start to go, Oh, that was that was interesting. I I want to understand what's gone on there. What's that process?
1: Yeah, you know, I I I used to be more attracted to kind of physical performance where it was like someone did a trick and I'd be like, Oh, let me see, or uh, a good football player or, would do something you're like oh my god that was pretty incredible how did how did the ball stay connected to his foot the whole time whatever it may be right but now i really don't care that much it's just it is what it is it's cool it's great it's more about personality and what they're doing as a whole that i'm excited about uh yeah i've really shifted away from
0: being being a movement voyeur yeah
1: i'm just i'm not that guy yeah. I, I do understand movement and I'm very passionate about it and I really like it and I'm attracted to it. But I've never necessarily stopped in my tracks by one thing.
0: It's and do you think that's kind of it's a, that's a natural process? You've kind of, because you spent a, a long time originally as an athlete consuming movement and kind of getting mastering movement to then studying movement, to then kind of talking about movement, that actually, for you, you just kind of realize that actually movement is just one part of this big whole, mm-hmm. and actually it's it's the whole that, that you're more interested in as now, yeah. than maybe you were, kind of when you were first involved with movement sex.
1: Yeah, I, I, 100%. I think I've always been interested in the whole, I just didn't know how to express that, mm. and it wasn't cool enough for people to pay attention to, and uh, if you you're trying to make a career out of uh, the hole, <laughs> do you think it's it's cooler now? Uh, but some for some people it is cooler. It's, I mean, people are very into like meditating and uh, enlightenment and all these things. And yeah. yes, it's important. I think there's a, definitely a shift in the the spirituality throughout the world but it just comes from the the greater contrast that we're seeing between cultures and uh, religions and uh, politics if you will and and government and state and stuff like this it's it doesn't really excite me uh, to see the differences and I, I like to see what is it that we have in common that's what I care about the most, so that's what I kind of look at. And of course, there are movement patterns that I see. I see someone do something. I'm like, "Oh, that was beautiful!" And and I go up to that person if I have a chance, and I say, "That was wonderful. That was awesome. I really loved it." Or uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm I'm a fanboy, so I, I write a message to someone that I'm inspired by. So I always acknowledge what I appreciate, uh, and I and I thank them for.
0: Is there any been? Is expressing there, that has there been a situation where you kind of found a diamond in the rough? So you've you've not been expecting it, you, you know. You've been traveling somewhere. You've come across something, You've been invited to see something, and then something happens, you know, be it a movement or a trick or something that just kind of blows you away, and you kind of think it kind of maybe restores your faith in that movement is growing as a culture, and people are still exploring the sort of the freestyle sprint principles. Say yeah, every day.
1: Every person I encounter, they're all diamonds in the rough. There, there's no one. That, here's the thing: there's no one that's special. If you, for a second, think that I have something special, then start thinking a little bit more. If you think that the prime minister or the president or the pope or whoever you admire has something that you don't have, think again you know we're all diamonds in the rough yeah and and i think that's the beauty of this thing the special is the person that's willing to go through the pressure that makes the diamond yeah and then cutting the diamond and making it presentable that's the polished product are you willing to go through that process and
0: look like you are special sure And then that comes back to the whole process of of Mm -hmm. time and experience. right? So one of the the questions I was was thinking about asking you in terms of, so we're a few years on since you published uh, Freestyle. You know, if you had the power of hindsight, is there anything you'd change about what you've written? Or any of the principles that you would have, looking back now with the experience you have, you kind of go, hey, Carl, you know, Let's, let's change that. I want to present that differently. So and there are certain words in, in, the,
1: in the book that I wouldn't use today mm-hmm. uh, just because I've changed. And maybe if I were to rewrite Freestyle, I would start with the last chapter first. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm. Which is all lifestyle. And it's the people that represent different lifestyles that I admire. Awesome.
0: So I'm fresh out of questions that's been probably a lot deeper I think we've had a, a much in, more interesting journey than well, I knew we were going to have an interesting journey as soon as we started the conversation even when we're down in the lobby and we're kind of straight on to tell me a bit about more about yourself kind mm. of stuff and I think that's that's been amazing for people to kind of get a deeper sense to connect with you through this, this podcast and I thank you for, for coming on and having the conversation today if um, people want to connect with you what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, uh, if they want to connect with me, they can find me
1: at FreestyleConnection.com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, Carl Pauli, I'm right there. Uh, you can't miss me. Hit me, hit me up in, in, the, in the messages. I try to respond to all the
0: messages I get. Yeah, and that's the truth. That's how this came about. So, um, if you if you have a question for Carl, make sure you, you connect with him. Um, so, uh, after tomorrow, where does the uh, where does your um, scheduled seminars take you?
1: Uh, I'm heading to Norway, and then uh, after that to Sweden, and then I'll go back to the states, have some work there, and then after that, I uh, I head to Australia, New Zealand, and then hopefully I'll be done for the year. Uh, in terms of uh, major
0: travel, after that, yeah. So, so then you wind down. So when you wind down from seminar, mm-hmm. the, the the schedule. What what do you like to do?
1: Uh, hang out with the family. Yeah, yeah. Just hang out and uh, go work out, train,
0: walk the dog, be yeah. human. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Enjoy life. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank, thank you. I, I really appreciate it, and I I can't wait to have a further discussion tomorrow. Thank
1: yeah. You. Thank you so much.
0: Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Our next episode is going to be with Mark Brockhurst, shortly followed by um, an interview with Chet from Strength Education. So tune in for those guys. Um, We're also now on iTunes as well, so you can pick up the episodes there. Uh, Thanks for listening. Make sure you give us reviews, and make sure you give us loads of lovely likes on SoundCloud. Ciao.